Welcome into episode 60 of the Landscape Photography Show. I cannot believe we're at 60 episodes already. It seems like I just started last month and we're already at 60 episodes. I want to thank you guys for listening and just being a part of the community that surrounds this podcast and the support that you've given me on social media messages or emails or anything like that, or if you simply just listen and enjoy the podcast, I want to thank you. We have a special episode today with one of my friends in photography, Paul Thompson, joining us from the UK. Now, Paul and I message quite often, and I wanted to have Paul on the podcast, not only because he's a great photographer, but also he has a very different vision and style in photography, I feel like, than I do. Not only being in the UK and having a different landscape to shoot in, which we talk about in the episode, but also experiences. Now, Paul has the goal of being a full-time landscape photographer, and I think this episode is really timely for a, a period that we're living in, in entrepreneurship and being a photographer full-time and, and trying to make that your goal. In this episode, we talk with Paul about his journey through that and also how he sees the landscape that surrounds him in the UK. The Landscape Photography Show is a podcast where you can listen to your favorite photographers talk about their journey in photography. It's a place where you can be inspired and also learn how to take better photos. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey everybody, we're here with Paul Thompson from the UK. Paul, I just want to welcome you onto the show. We've talked an extensive amount, even on your YouTube channel. Uh, you and Tom Peters uh, had me on and I was really gracious to be on. And I'm excited to have you on this show and, and talk to you about kind of like what you enjoy about landscape photography, but also, you know, what I like to do getting started is just hearing everybody's story and, and how they first began in not only landscape photography, but when that interest level started in the overall general field of photography too. Well, thanks very much for having me, mate. It's really appreciated. So I'm Paul Thompson, obviously from the UK. And I'm originally from Northumberland in the north of England. And I traveled around a lot as a kid. My dad was in the Air Force, so I lived in various locations around the UK. And I've always had this interest in photography. And I think it's back because dad used to have boxfuls of slides in the cupboard. And I was always intrigued by it. So that kind of sparked my interest in photography, really. And really, I think, although I've always had the interest in photography, it's only really come to light in the last sort of eight years or so. And originally what it was is I, I trained in countryside management and forestry. And it was to do with uh, nature conservation. So my plan was is to have a career in nature conservation. But unfortunately, when I left college, there was no jobs available. So basically what it was is, is, is that was, that was my passion was the outdoors. And I always had, had this ambition to have a camera and be able to take nice images of the outdoors. But all I had was a point and shoot at the time. And I, I could never get the images that I wanted to get. 
So it was it was kind of a it was almost like a spur to get me interested in photography, to get myself a, a better camera and to start learning about the process of photography. What did you see yourself doing when you were studying like forestry and, and nature conservation in college? Well, it, it was the interest was in kind of what you guys would probably call like a park ranger. Uh huh. Um, and that was, that was basically where my interests lay. I wanted to, uh, to look after national parks, well, our national parks and, uh, basically get into that. But as it happened, when it, just at the time that I finished college, it was just a really bad time to be finishing college because there was so many people trying to get those jobs. You just really didn't stand the chance. I'm I'm curious to know, like in the United States, we have a big problem with overpopulation of national parks and even to the point where rangers can't really control the amounts of crowds that go to some of the most popular locations. What What's it like in the UK in that same field? Since you were interested in going into that, do you see that crowd control or even management being an issue? Um, it never was. But um, obviously, with the start of the situation that we're currently in, it's it's made the situation a whole load worse over here for sure. Um, I mean, our national park, my um, nearest national park, is the Lake District, um, and they're having real problems at the minute with uh, with overcrowding because obviously people can't travel at the minute, so everybody's sort of grouping together in these these areas. And it's starting to cause a bit of problems, I think. What are some of the things that you've seen personally through your experience being close to that national park, both like before this issue started and, and now? Um, well, before it wasn't so so bad. I mean, it was always busy. But now we've got, I think the, the current issue is, is that you've got people who really probably wouldn't be holidaying in the UK, they'll be going places like Spain and places like that. And they're tending to congregate and just go anywhere they can. So we're getting real problems with littering and, and people setting fires and um, parking vehicles where they shouldn't be parked and destroying verges, basically everything. So so they're getting into uh, real problems. And I know Scotland, just over the border, has had similar issues right the way through lockdown where people were congregating and, and, and causing real damage. I don't, I don't know what it's like over there base besides what you just explained to me, but, but here it kind of seems like the people who are going into national parks are some that may go like to a city or an urban area for a weekend just to check it out. But with the yeah. popularity and, and the style that has appeared on social media, um, that switch of interest has occurred and they're entering public lands without properly educating themselves on, on what they could be getting into just because they are used to going into an urban setting. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. And as I was saying, that, that that's the kind of people that are going now. And it's, it's, it sounds really bad, but it's probably the kind of people that would go to, uh, to somewhere like, uh, Ibiza for a, <laughs> for a holiday are going to national parks and they don't know how to act. It's not something they've probably done before, but they're kind of limited as to where they can go. So it's, it's having that kind of effect, I think. 
Is that what led you to start Nature First on the UK chapter? Yeah, it was a big factor, and it was it, as again, it's always kind of been in the background of of where I am, where I am with it all. Um, obviously, nature has been a big part of my life, and it's the outdoors has always been a big part of my life, and I kind of wanted to do my bit over here because we haven't really got anything like that here. So um, both myself and Tom sort of decided we would get into this and at least we can go get the word out to try and educate people more than anything. How are you going to do that? Well, we've started um, obviously on social media. We've got obviously our YouTube channels that we've started promoting it on as well. Um, I think eventually it might be down the line towards camera clubs, that kind of thing we might be able to get the word out to. And obviously, as we start to get into, well, when we can get it back into workshops and that kind of thing, then we'll be able to educate people through those. I'm always fascinated with the different landscapes that that attribute different countries. And I've been to the UK myself, but I did stay within those urban areas. What's the benefit like of going to the UK for a landscape photography trip? I think com- compared to say the states where you've got you've got so much diversity in in different landscapes but you've got a long way to travel in the UK we've got different landscapes but the, there's n- it's nowhere near as big so you don't have to travel quite as far and where I am currently we've got the lake district on our doorstep and we've got um Northumberland on our, on our doorstep and that's um, basically golden sands uh, castles and all that sort of history side of things and then you've got Scotland just over the border which is I suppose it's our best shot at wilderness we haven't got a great deal of wilderness areas in the UK a lot of it is um, intensively managed and farmland that kind of thing but there are areas of Scotland which is which are still wild basically so that's the bonus of being over here is that we've got quite a lot of different areas we can get to relatively quickly. Do you want people to know how beautiful it actually is? Yeah, for sure. But it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? It's all... <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing with it. It's We've got some really beautiful areas, but as everything that we're currently going through is highlighted, it, it also brings its own troubles with it. And the very last thing you want to actually end up doing is destroying the places that that you actually want to visit, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So so definitely through via nature first and that kind of thing, that's that's why we need to educate people more more than ever, I think, because we really don't want to lose these areas that we've got. Well, you know, the reason I ask is because if you do ask, if somebody says I'm going to like the Europe area for a landscape photography trip, it's always like Iceland. Uh, some people go to Greenland. Um, you know, you have like Tuscany that can have some nice landscape photos, but you never really hear anybody say, you know, I'm, I'm going up to the Lake District to go shoot. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a strange thing. And I, and I, th- and I think it goes back to the fact that it's 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 a really different landscape that that 
than you would normally visit because it's don't get me wrong the lake district is absolutely stunning and it's beautiful but it's it's a managed landscape so so where you would normally have like wilderness wilderness areas that are um, mountainous and and you've got trees and everything growing on hillsides and all the rest in canada places like that it's it's more managed here so you've you've got like um, sheep on fell sides over here so it's a lot of farmland so everything is just looks more manicured i think is what i'm trying to get at it's just funny to me because so many photographers on youtube seem to be uk photographers and yet the places that they go shoot like in their own backyard aren't the popular locations that people actually go to yeah yeah and i think it's because they are so popular and it's always that sort of balance of of trying to get trying to get something new um and uh-huh likes of the lake district they tend to everybody's drawn to those iconic locations the same as they are everywhere across the world i suppose but because it's such a small area the lake district's such a small national park everybody's drawn to the same areas so what ends up happening is all our facebook pages and social media pages over here are littered with the same images from the same places so i think mm-hmm. everybody's trying to find that bit of unique if you know know what i mean for sure so- i mean you it's the same thing of like if you go to the American West, everybody goes to like Mesa Arch or something. When it's not even that spectacular of an arch, it yeah. draws huge crowds and everybody has that shot in their portfolio. Yeah, yeah, this is it. This is it for sure. And we have the same same issues. Um, in Scotland has the same problems. But I think for me definitely is, I want to, for my for me personally, I want to get those shots in the bag, but then I want to get away from it all. I want to find that bit of unique, which is why I tend to go to my local creeks and I go to local areas that I know because it's it's places that people don't normally see. And if you can How make much those, harder is that? It's a lot harder. <laughs> it's a lot harder because you're trying to make make something that people aren't naturally drawn to. Mm-hmm. stand out if you know what i'm getting at mm-hmm. so you're trying to bring your piece of local beauty into the uh, into the public into public eyes really um and there's so many areas that are on your doorstep that really are beautiful but they're just they haven't got that crowd appeal and that's no bad thing in my eyes to be honest it gives you that that piece of um of something different from everybody else. Do you think there's going to be a moment coming when people do find those places, the the less explored places, a little bit more mesmerizing than those locations that get shot to death? I think so. I think so for sure, because there's got to come a time where, where everybody gets, how do I actually put this bored of seeing the, the iconic, Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, there's only many so many times you can see you can see those iconic images without. I mean, I do it myself. I see I see those images, and, and as beautiful as they are, 
you think, yeah, you've got so much more on your doorstep than that place, though. You could go and explore everywhere. Just get outside and, and go and explore. And there's got to be more out there. How do you manage the places that you do want to go that are in your back door? As for, I I tend to now. I used to when I when I first started. I, I used to every time I went to a place, I I tag I'd tag it in in the images as to say mm-hmm. where they were to tell people about them. But I, I've stopped doing that now as well because I think there's nothing wrong with with people doing their own research to find an area and and you don't want to you don't want to essentially trash somewhere by by giving locations away so so readily if you know what i mean mhm mhm so that's what i've been doing i've i've been leaving out the title i mean i've been putting vague sort of area where it is but i haven't been giving away coordinates or anything like that do and you enjoy that search i do I really do. I mean, part part of it, part of photography for me is is not so much about the photography. It's about getting outside and using photography as an excuse to get outside to explore. And I think that's a big part of it for me. Is it a lost part? A lost part. How do you? Yeah. Mean? Are people losing the art of exploring? I think so. Because as as we move forward, everything's instant. Every, everything, everybody expects everything to be handed to them on a plate almost. And and that kind of love of just getting outside and, and finding things for yourself is almost lost. Everybody, everybody will contact you for locations. Where's this shot? Where's that shot? How do I get there? And you think, well, go and explore. Go and enjoy it for yourself. That's half of the whole the whole process is to go and see go and see and find these areas for yourselves. Hey guys, real quick, I just want to talk about today's sponsor for the podcast, and that's visualwilderness.com. Right now you can go to visualwilderness.com and get any of the courses that I've made that will help you improve your landscape photography over time through post-processing and learning how to take basic images and level them up through Lightroom and Photoshop. You can get those for 33% off for a limited time right now if you use the code DAVID33 during checkout. Again, that's visualwilderness.com and use the code DAVID33 during checkout for 33% off for a limited time. That same deal is going on on my website for courses that I've made for my own website. You can go to davidjohnsonart.com, enter that same code david33 during checkout for 33% off for a limited time. Let's get back to the episode. If you are a photographer in the UK and you have a British accent, do you have yeah. to have a YouTube channel? <laughs> it seems that way, doesn't it? It because, does. It's a prerequisite. Yeah, we're absolutely littered with uh, photography channels over here. <laughs> and it it makes it hard. <laughs> makes it really hard. I don't In know how you Well, just recently I've I mean I've I've only got a small channel and it's it's really hard to get a foothold, I find. It's really difficult to get to get in there and to get noticed 
um, above all the popular channels. Um, because there's so many of us over here that are doing it. Pull the curtain back, though, because I feel like a lot of people don't realize how difficult it actually is to do what you are doing and getting a video out weekly and not only a good video, but being on schedule and producing something that's quality, uh, entertaining, informational, that is, is a big challenge and it has a lot of things that people don't understand that goes into it. So pull the curtain back and give us an idea of what a both a photo shoot really and a video shoot look like. Well, for me, it's, it's time is my biggest issue. Uh-huh. You'll know yourself now being a new dad. Congratulations, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Thank you. You'll know yourself that I've got two kids and juggling the whole, I mean, I've, I've got two kids and I've got a, I've got a normal day job for the time being. And I struggle to get a video out weekly. I've tried it and I really, really struggle with it. In it, it's, it's due to time. You get home from work, you've got to see the kids, you're trying to get out to go and shoot something, and then that sort of almost limits you as to where you can go. So you do end up going to more local areas to use because that's where you can get to quickly. Then you've got to also bear in mind that you need to get the shots, and then you need to think to yourself that I need to put a video together with this. And then after that, you need the time to edit it. Mm-hmm. So what ten, what tends to be my process is, is I'll go out and I'll um, shoot a video while, while in the process of actually getting the images, which is the most important thing for me. Because if I haven't got the images, I haven't got a video. Mm-hmm. And then it'll probably take me a week to edit it because I haven't got the time just to sit one day and just nail it in a one in one go it'll be evenings. So once I get home from work, you get the kids to bed, you get them sorted, and then I'll start again. And I'll start the editing process. And that generally takes me the whole week just to get the video in a good enough state to put out for the next week. Has YouTube made you a better photographer? For sure, I think it has, because it forces me to to get out. Because those those normal days where you would look outside and think, no, I'm not going out in that. Because you need to, well, you don't need to, but because you want to get a video out, it forces you to get outside and again, back to exploring different areas. And then it it makes you probably look at images that you would have walked past before because you're trying to find those things that are going to work for for a new video topic. It actually makes you see things that you probably wouldn't have looked at. What do you think is is saturated in YouTube though? Is it the amount of photographers who are jumping on the platform? Is it the topics? Like, is there, is there something that's saturated? I wish I knew. (laughs) Quite honestly, I wish I knew what, what, what the bad points were and what the good points were. I have such a hard trouble working working out how it works um i think there's an awful lot of gear related channels mm-hmm. and there always has been but those those are the ones that seem to get the views mm-hmm. um 
the actual channels that want to show you the art of photography or or show you um, people's journeys through photography don't seem to do as well as as the actual gear related videos. That's what I've noticed anyway. Well, you've told me in the past and you mentioned, you know, you're you're doing a day job too and you're doing photography on the side for the time being. You yeah. told me a few months ago, you know, you have that goal of going full-time in photography. I do. Yeah, I do for sure. And that's that's what I was just discussing with somebody the other day actually is that that's the direction I really want to start taking the channel is more um I don't like using that word journey, but uh-huh. but but you, but basically following along from where I am now to 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 the point where I can go full time. That's what I want to make the channel more more dedicated to, just for something that's slight bit different. Because everybody's you know doing the vlog type thing, and I want to try and make it more about how I'm trying to make it make it work to go full time. Well, I mean, the reason I bring this up and I'm glad that you're talking about it is is just because, Paul, like so many people on the day to day basis, either comments or emails or anything like that, say, well, how do you how do you do that full time, even if they're not even interested in doing it themselves? If you tell somebody you're a photographer and their first inclination is portraits and weddings, but then you're like, no, I do outdoor photography and they're like, hmm how (laughs) (laughs) yeah and that that's that's part of the problem i think and it's it's because you you can't rely on one income stream as a landscape photographer you can't just like a like a wedding photographer can rely on weddings to make them the money a landscape photographer can't just rely on on that to make them the money they have to have various income streams to make it work and that's what i'm kind of learning as we go along is that in order for me to be able to go full time and and cover the money that I'm currently making, I need to come up with six, seven, eight, nine different income streams to make the same amount of money. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just the way it is. You can't you can't just say right, well, I'm a landscape photographer, I'm going to sell prints because it's never going to work. There's just no way you could rely on that. So you have to look at various different things like selling prints is one but that's probably only a small part of it workshops and education is another probably a bigger part of it um and so on and so forth and it and i and i think the days of um stock are very limited now as well Mm -hmm. so uh i think you've just it's finding new ways to make to make that money well i've been in the same shoes that you're in. Um, but that was several years ago and so much has changed throughout that time. Um, I mean, social media has absolutely exploded into something I never thought it would be. What are, what are the challenges? Cause I'm interested, I'm curious, what are the challenges that you've faced to this point and, and see going forward? My biggest challenge for me, personally is bringing it back to the family family guy thing uh-huh. is that 
although I don't, I don't want, I've never really been money orientated kind of person. I'm not really interested in money, but I'm not naive enough to think that I, I don't need to make it to, to look after my family. Uh-huh. So I need to know that I can cover a certain amount of money to be able to live comfortably and look after them. Um, but at the same time, I don't want that to stifle my creativity, if that makes uh-huh. sense. Uh-huh. I still want to, I mean, part of it for me is I've, I've suffered with um, depression and mental health and photography for me is, is about making me happy. It's about giving me a lifestyle that I can actually enjoy and not get stressed and and just get outdoors because outdoors is my happy place really so for me that's more important than the whole money issue but obviously I still have to make it and it's it's coming up with all these various ways of making money before I can walk out of my job and knowing that I'm going to be able to walk out of my job and and, and be comfortable as well as happy. Is there a stigma in the UK like there is in the United States about mental health and um, finding something that, that makes you truly happy? I don't think so. I think it's we're getting to a better place with it now. I really do. Um, I think people do realize that that some people struggle and photography is my outlet mm-hmm. and it it can be an outlet for a lot of people because i think i think there's too much emphasis on um making the money and playing that game where i think that that your mental happiness and well-being is more important than any of that i really do and Rather than sort of being on that treadmill, it's a, it's a case of getting off it and and making doing what makes you happy. It really, there's nothing else I can say other than that. Is it's it's got to be before you can make anyone else happy, you have to truly make yourself happy. And you I know, think so landscape landscape photography can do that. So much about like what you're saying is bringing up a lot of memories from when. I was going into it and like very similar belief systems and um, happy work life, balance, mental health, things like that. The The thing that I struggled with, Paul, and, and I want to hear your thoughts on it too, is, is the patience part and the consistent motivation were the two things that um, I think I struggled with the most. I could see where I was going. And I think this discussion is going to help a lot of people listening who want to do this, either go for it full time or or be more committed to it as a part time thing is the patience of how long it actually takes when you have that vision of where you want to take it. Yeah, for sure. Because it's not (laughs) don't for a minute think it's it's going to happen you're going to decide this year it's going to happen next year it's just not going to happen yeah because it's it's a long term thing and i've i've had to come to that realization that it's going to take a lot of time but i think for me at the minute i'm work, effectively working two jobs 
but I'm committed to the fact that I know I'm in a job that I'm not 100% keen on, but I'm working towards something that I truly love. And for me, it doesn't really matter how long it takes. It's it's the the willingness to work towards it, I think, is, is that helps just as much as anything because it focuses your mind on on your end goal, if that makes sense to you. It does, for sure. Where do you find that consistent motivation? Um, I think basically is I don't, I, I see myself as not wanting to be stuck in a rut forever. Uh-huh. So the motivation for me is to, to pull myself out of it. I mean, when I have, I'll be truly honest, when I have down periods, I have really low periods. So for me, I've, I've fixed that with photography because every time I start to get low, I focus on um, my creative streak. And what I've found during this whole process is, is the good thing that photography gives to you is it's a massive community and mostly positive. So what I do is I've surrounded myself with more positive-minded people. Uh-huh. And that helps me to move forward. I mean, in the past, you know, you always get the people that say, oh, well, how are you going to do that? You'll never do that. What are you talking about? It's just not going to happen. It's a pipe dream. But I've moved away from that. If I if I get that sort of reaction from people, I I just move away from them. I'll I'll concentrate on the people that not blow smoke up my backside, but but help me to to move forward and give me positive vibes. Basically, is that one of the reasons that you started the YouTube Facebook group that you did? Yeah, yeah, for sure, and and. Also, because <laughs> I don't know whether you found the same thing, but to me, we go we go to the effort of making this content and and putting our heart and soul into something. And Facebook groups are especially bad for saying you can post your images, but I don't want you to post your links. And to me, as much work has gone into the video is it has the images. So I've always had the thought to myself, well, why should we be stopped from posting the links to our content? Because it's mm. all, it's all one package and we want to tell a story with it. So my idea with the, uh, the YouTube face group, um, group was basically to stop that. And that everybody that has images and, uh, a YouTube related video, to go with it can post it freely without being taken down and and give them give other people the chance to see it basically i think and and i'm guilty of this too before i i phrase this i think the community of of landscape photographers in general is is very good about um giving each other encouragement but when it comes to the actual work that can be put into it there's a very small handful of people who will go the extra step of actually putting in that work where they're not going to see anything in return from it um, yeah. and again there are plenty that that do that 
Um, I think my work falls through the cracks more than I want it to on that end. And it's something that I know I need to get better at doing and helping other people. But when you look at the community of photographers, we're so head down, driven, focused on our own work and our own craft. What do you see that the community can get better at for people like you who are actually driven and who are actually making the strides and efforts to go full time? Well, I think I think it can always be better at pulling people up. Mm-hmm. Definitely, because it, there's a lot. I don't mean it to sound at all negative, but there are quite a few people that are willing to pull people down with it. Uh, and rather than giving them the encouragement to of how to move forward with something, they want to pull them back. I've been really lucky, I have to say. I've been really lucky in that I've got friends like Adam Gibbs and Gavin Hardcastle who've all credit to them have, have pulled me up and have have tried to give me advice along the way. And I know I can count on them. If I need to know something and I need to find something out, I can call on either one of them and they'll they'll help me up with it. And I I hope I can do the same. We all get sort of, as you say, we all get focused in on what we want our end goal to be. And and to the point where we do do get so busy that we sometimes haven't got the time, but I think we really have to make the time because you have to put yourself in the position that these people might be in the same boat as you were and you need to help them get to where they want to be as well. Well, I think that's a good message because, you know, so many people think that when they are going through the process, but when they do make it, they lose sight of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. And and they do because they, they, they're more focused on themselves. And it's, don't get me wrong, it's easy to do because you, as I say, you do, you're that focused and driven about what you want out of it it's easy to lose sight of everything else that's going on around you. How are you going to guard yourself from that temptation of, of head down, focus on your own thing? I don't know. I really don't know. It's, it's a case of, I never want to fall into that trap if I can help it. But you, as a, again, you need, you need the people around you to be able to, to tell you if you're being out of order or, or what you need to do as well, because it's really, really difficult to keep yourself focused or not focused. How, how do I want to say this? It's, it's difficult when you're so single-minded and you're trying to get to that, to that finishing line. Well, yeah. Finishing line that, that you just, you know, people fall by the wayside and you need pe- you need to sur- surround yourself with people that are going to tell you when you're out of order. As as much as you need to s- surround yourself with people that are honest with you about your work and tell you that it's good or it's bad, indifferent, you need to surround with yourself with those people that are going to say, you're out of order there, you need to help this person or you could have done better there. When do you see yourself starting to make those YouTube videos about the, you didn't like the word journey, but I can't, I'm struggling to find like a a synonym that will accompany (laughs) that word. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's difficult. And I've, <laughs> I've it's funny enough you say that because I've been looking at my YouTube channel um and trying to work out how to put that message across without using the word journey. So what, uh-huh. I, I, what I've actually changed the tagline to my YouTube channel now is following the dream of landscape photography. Okay, I like that. And that was the best I could come up with without using journey. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> but when yes, are those so videos going to start to come out? Once, once I get a feel for how I'm going to do it, I want to start it immediately. Really, it's it's just a case of I don't want to um, I don't want to purposely say right. Well, this is what I've done this week to make it, and this is what I've done that week. I want it to be more of a progression about how my photography is getting better. Um, how the videos are getting better, um, what I've done to improve images, to make to, you know to make the content better, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I don't want to kind of focus it on on a weekly video. That's you know what I've done this week to make to make it better. If you know if you know what I'm getting at. Tell people where they can go to to subscribe and and kind of follow your journey. <laughs> <laughs> My dream. Your dream. Is, yeah, it's Paul Thompson Photography on uh, YouTube. And it's also Paul Thompson Photography on Instagram and Paul Thompson Photography on Facebook. And Thompson is without the P. Thompson is without the P. That's right. <laughs> All right, Paul. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on, uh, chatting with us, and honestly being so open about uh your path and your dream into into landscape photography and your experience with it so far well thanks so much for having me on david it's been a real pleasure